This is the triple play fantasy walkabout brought to you by the Full Tilt Dynasty podcast. And don't change the channel. I know this isn't the voice you're used to hearing. Uh, Thomas is a little preoccupied today, so I'm filling in for him. I am Lucas Gilbert. You can find me at the Cute Hertz on Twitter. And my fun fact for a day is that I had no idea how much patio furniture actually costs. Absolutely. Blows my mind. It's nuts. So I am Tom Lee. You can find me on Twitter at Tom underscore Lee92. That's L-I-E. Don't really have a super fun fact. We're uh we're busy sort of child mining or dog sitting at the moment. And uh it's convinced me that kids and dogs are still at least five years away based on the destruction <laughs> of my my belongings and shoes. So yeah, it's been a fun time. Gosh, yeah. It's 7 a.m. My two cats woke us up because they were ready for food and I was ready for two more hours of sleep. So uh, I lost (laughs) that fight, but yeah, it (laughs) happened. Well, like I said, this is the Fantasy Walkabout Season 2, Episode 19. And we're going to just keep it going with what we've been doing so far this offseason. And we're going to be breaking down uh, two NFC North teams today. Uh, We will be doing the Minnesota Vikings and the Chicago Bears. Uh, so I hope you all are ready for that. Definitely have some questions ready, players that you want us to highlight, and we'll be ready for them. It'll be a good time. Heck yeah. So let's start it off with all of the news that's been going down this week. It's been fairly quiet outside of just OTAs going. Uh, some people being asked not to attend OTAs. Uh, <laughs> some people getting new deals, and yeah. some players even saying they won't see less work this off season so what do you got tom yeah man so like you said it's been pretty quiet so the, the issue with otas is that a lot of the stories are you know let's take green bay for example jordan love qb1 at otas well no shit aaron Rodgers is not rocking up to a voluntary session so there's no one else on the roster so it's really hard to read into a lot of the ota hypes we generally don't give a shit about that we were talking off air a little bit through a couple of key extensions to wide receivers that that interest us. So Hunter Renfro and uh, Cooper Cup this this week uh, managed to land more of a bag, even though they already had pre-existing deals. Um, yeah. Either of those in particular you find intriguing, interesting, different. Um, what strikes you about these two extensions to guys who are possibly going to become dominant slot receivers uh, for us this year? It even just... more so on Cooper Cup's. It just puts so much more of an emphasis on just how important teams view the wide receiver position. They are now six wide receivers in the top 20 in the league in terms of annual salary. And that that just blows my mind, uh, especially somebody like Hunter Renfro, who's not quite at that tier. Uh, he's mm. guaranteed $21 million through two years with up to $32 million, uh, in the contract. But he, he's definitely the forgotten man in Las Vegas. But... The Raiders aren't treating him like he's forgotten. That's one thing for sure. Well, this is one thing, right? So, like, the Raiders' entire, um, I guess, death chart is is intriguing for us this offseason because there's value to be had there. We don't really know how it's going to shake out with the new system, the new coach coming in, the big addition of Devontae Adams. So there is intrigue that they, they are saying we need to put our sort of um, our money, our Joe Hunter Renfro, that we are still interested in having him. He's got a role in this team. So as to what that will be, will be interesting. Um but yeah, out of the two, he's the more intriguing one for me. Cup being extended is fantastic. Anyone who has yeah. Cup, you can be even more reassured for the next couple of years that you are going to have a guy who's dominating in that offense. But mm-hmm. yeah, Renfro for me going, okay, interesting time to do it. Uh, interesting statement from the team. So yeah, that's a fun one. 
Yeah, it's it's definitely hard to see Cup's value getting any higher just based off his age. <laughs> and he had maybe the greatest wide receiver season we've ever seen outside of anything that Megatron could do. Yeah. And so it's highly unlikely he's ever going to repeat that exact same production. But this counts him as somebody that the Rams see being a top five wide receiver for the foreseeable future. That means that you can probably value him as a top five wide receiver for your dynasty team over the next two, three, four years. Yeah, it gives you a lot of confidence. Definitely, definitely. And also news out of Pittsburgh, Najee <laughs> Harris going straight to reporters and saying, you know what, guys? I'm not going to see as much work this offseason or this season. Just so you know, certain downs, I won't be out there. They got it. Yeah. Well, in theory, that's kind of a good thing, right? Because he should the, the whole offense shouldn't have still been out there in many of the players last year because of their inefficiency. So in theory, if they're more efficient, well, that will drop his numbers anyway. The key is for us with Dynasty, this this ranking of Najee inside the like he's he's just established as a top five running back. So mm-hmm. does this scare anyone off him? Does this make it a buy opportunity? Does it really change anything? I'm not so sure. I think it was sort of what we expected to happen. We talked about Pittsburgh a couple of weeks ago. Um, you're just not going to see numbers like that on a team that hopefully should get better. If they take a step forward, they shouldn't be required to do what he's done in the past. Um, the issue will be if they if they view him as saying, well, okay, we can't risk his health and all of a sudden we're going to start using him less on, say, passing downs where a lot of that volume came from. That will be a, a sort of a one to watch. So yeah, here you go. May not be on the show, but still has plenty of time to chip yep. in and throw a lot our way. 95% uh, of the work may not get all of that work again next year. Mm, what a shame. Yeah, I'm with Tom on that one. But definitely for a player who gets the bulk of his value just based off of the enormous workload we expect him to see, and then he bulks up to handle more of a workload, yeah, it's kind of disconcerting to hear him say, I'm not going to have that same workload. <laughs> yeah, it's still, and, it's news and noteworthy, right? Like it's still relevant. Mm-hmm. There's a reason we're bringing it up out of all the other mishmash from, from OTAs and, and all the player statements. So um, it's something to watch. I'm intrigued, but um in, if, if you're if you're in my opinion where I actually think Najee's more talented, you hope that offensive line improvement, efficiency gets better on the ground anyway. He doesn't rely on those checkdowns as much. Um, mm-hmm. But if you're not of that opinion, then yes, you're going to be very happy as Najee slides more into that late RB1 production as opposed to a, a difference maker at the top. Yeah. I don't think he's 3.9 yards a carry bad. I <laughs> yeah. think that's a bad offensive line giving him way too much of a workload and then trying to be efficient with that and knowing that nobody has to be scared of Big Ben's arm. And now you have a <laughs> rookie or Mitchell Tabritsky who you're also not going to be too scared of their arms. No. It's just, yeah, it scares me. And then in redraft, this is fancy walkabout where a dynasty show, but even in redraft, as somebody who I was like sitting at six, I would have been so happy for him to land there. I'm now thinking. Yep. Justin Jefferson sounds a lot better there. I feel yeah. so much more confident about that. Yeah, but. a guy that we're going to dive into today and with Definitely. the the league pushing towards more wide receiver ceiling games and more running back committee approaches. Um, it's going to be an interesting, especially in redraft. Yes, we're a dynasty show, but redraft yeah. influences a lot in dynasty. So the way yeah, that the philosophy ball. changes, you know, two years ago, you would ne- you'd sniff like, you couldn't believe that running backs would go any later in the first round. Now you've got to start looking at it going, what's the most value to my team? And what a lot of people in the analytics community have been harping on about for years is wide receivers are where the production comes from. It's 
at the top level irreplaceable. Um, mm -hmm. So it may cause a, like a large shift in our philosophy when it comes to Dynasty as well. Definitely. Well, we're going to take a little break here. Uh, as Tom says, give you a, a break from the sound of our voices. And uh, we're going to show you a clip from the Tuesday show when JJ Zacharyson was on. And oh my goodness, the amount of information that he was sharing with us was just, it was amazing. We went 30 Insane. minutes over to try to cram as much as we possibly could, not only to inform ourselves, because we have all of these questions for him, but also to inform you all. So uh, we'll play a clip about his process and then we'll get back to it. And we're going to punish Atali after that. I approach my work from the standpoint of like answering questions, right? Hmm. So I'll ask a question. I'll go research that, that question, try to find an answer. Sometimes I don't find an answer. And I, I think a lot of times that, you know, there are people within the space who go search that answer. They don't find an answer, but they just spend a lot of time trying to find that answer. So they just kind of force it. Right. And they just create these, mm -hmm. these narratives and build these studies around something mm -hmm. where there's not really an answer, but they just did so much work that they feel like they need to publish something. Um, and so, you know, I, I think that, that you have to feel okay, you know, with spending time trying to discover something and it not being anything, uh, it's happened, you know, it happens all the time to me. Um, so just use that curiosity and try to answer those questions. All right. And we're back. And right before the break, we were talking about Najee Harris and how all of this offseason news is going to end up affecting his redraft rankings. But how about his best ball rankings and where <laughs> you need to be sliding him in there? And with best ball, there's no better place to do it than underdog fantasy. They have the best ball mania three draft and competition going on right now. Uh, best ball three mania tournaments, $10 million in total prize money. Best part is you just draft your fantasy football team and that's it. That's all you got to do. Super easy. No waivers, no trades, no in season management. Underdog gives you a best chance to score each week because they do your lineup for you. You don't have to worry about if the backup running back is going to score two touchdowns in a week. Because they're sniping your starting running backs touchdowns. No. Don't got to do it at all. And the champion of Best Ball Mania drafted in June last year. So no time like present. Join Underdog. Take your shot at a multi-million dollar tournament. Plus, Underdog is going to double. That's right. Double your first time deposit of up to $100 when you sign up with the promo code FULLTILT. That's F-U-L-L-T-I-L-T. Full tilt. And that's four free entries into Best Ball Mania 3. That's four more chances to try to grow for the million dollars. So what are you waiting for? Head to underdogfantasy.com or on the App Store. Sign up for Underdog with the promo code Full Tilt. It's going across the bottom of your screen right now. And draft Best Ball Mania 3 team today. That's Underdog Fantasy promo code Full Tilt. And with that out of the way... We're now going to punish Atali. So what do you have for us today, Tom Lee? Seamless segue. This is fantastic. Tom normally starts reaching for all sorts of weird examples and things <laughs> I've never heard of to get us into these little bits. Um, but yeah, punishing Atali. So, I mean, I'm probably going to have to stop explaining what Atali is to people. We're getting a lot more of our regular listenership coming in. But essentially, a tall mm -hmm. beer, a lighthearted conversation about things that we're dealing with in fantasy. It's not going to get too number specific. 
but just thoughts and topics and, and stuff that pops up to us going, man, I probably need to talk about this with someone and rather than sort of harp on in the Slack channel or in the Discord as it is, as it is now, uh, join the Discord and we'll talk about that later. Um, this week, we're looking at two players for each of us that uh, we're sort of struggling to know with what to do in our squad. So we talk a lot about established squads rather than you know what you're doing in the drafts and the startups. These sort of players whose values fluctuate up and down, a lot of the time they're younger, they come into their mm-hmm. second or third year, um, and whether or not they're going to carry on and become something great for us, like all the established top tier players are, or whether they're going to fade into significance, means their value, uh, their evaluation is generally more volatile and therefore more of a discussion topic. So we thought we'd pick two players each that we have on a bunch of our different rosters and going, what do we think we're going to do with these guys um, and some of our process around it. So if you kick us off, who's your first All boy? Right. My first one, very popular one. Uh, they talked about him on the uh, Full Dilt Dynasty podcast earlier this week. Uh, you, everybody's talking about him because you don't want to buy in, but you kind of are, and that is CEH, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, uh, Jacob says all the time, you just hold your nose as you draft him and yep. uh, you hope you're drafting Sean McCoy this year. Or <laughs> I'll even take what Daryl Williams was doing at the end of the season. Pretty much, point. right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like this is a guy with first round pedigree, practically handpicked by Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he was drafted in the first round for a reason. He's not a bad running back. He obviously has athletic limitations. Everybody knew this going in, but he is good at football. He just hasn't shown that ability on the field yet. One of the funny things, right? So they draft him. We know the draft profile. We know the type of player. And the one thing we thought that would push him up to that, you know, clear one-on-one in that rookie draft was that the usage, he was handpicked by the quarterback compared by the coach to this, you know, the previous best Mm -hmm. that he's done before with Brian Westbrook. Um, And then the one thing we didn't get was the usage. So whether that's from health or not, we saw the signs of the athleticism we saw in college. Like, it's fine. Um, it's serviceable. He can catch a ball. That's okay. But then just wasn't utilized in the way we thought he was. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Andy Hartman weighing in. He's no Joe Mixon. <laughs> um, he is no. He is no Joe Mixon. Like, no. this is a guy who we thought would be massively product- productive. We mentioned him a couple of weeks ago on the walkabout as well mm-hmm. as a guy that you, you know you shouldn't really be interested in, but you can't help be by just the price and what could happen. Um, and Jacob's a great example. And we don't like to mm-hmm. talk too much about our leagues that currently exist, but yep. you know, I bought CEH off Jacob for the two Oh five straight up halfway through the off season. Right. And people are going, Oh, you know, it's either a money call, but he was very happy with the two Oh five. We get to the rookie draft this year. I'm going two Oh five is kind of still okay. Like I'm not yeah. sure what I'm going to do with CEH. I have him. He could still be anything, but man, like that's a pretty even trade still for me now. So yeah. What do we do with him? You can't really sell him because you're not going to get the return that you want, which is a first. And even mm-hmm. a late first this year, you're kind of like, well, it's still kind of a dice roll. But you're not going to be able to buy him for a lot like less than that either. So what are you thinking? This is your boy. This is the guy you picked out saying, yeah. what do I do with him? So... Where's your level of tilt at when it comes to CEH <laughs> on your rosters? Oh, the... my tilt is so high with him because you were drafting him over taylor everyone you drafted him before jonathan taylor you drafted him before deandre swift and i mean we we should accept we're not going to get a 101 in any league for him it's not going to happen but you're saying that you got the 205 from jacob for him i don't know i might rather have richard white than ceh 
right at, yeah. at this point but also ceh <laughs> could turn around and be a very solid running back vert or fringe rb1 rb2 I, if he gave me RB sixteen production this year, I'd be blown away. I'd be happy Stoked. with that. Yeah, and and I would just save him. Like, like you said, unless I'm getting somebody like a Richard White, and that's that's the very end of it. Damian Pierce, who I'm not high on, if that's the running back on the board, I wouldn't move for him. I mean, it it really just depends on the value. And right now, you're not going to get that value for him. So I I end up holding him a lot more then yeah i want to and i'm just i'm swallowing real hard on that one it's like oh it well i'm interested me. to see when when we do get to doing the kansas city breakdown in future weeks what we think is his range of possibilities becomes because <sighs> the hope is still there right like you don't need a yep. lot of improvement to make this guy a serviceable asset the key is it's always going to be about that one-on-one evaluation that sort of shade that's over him the whole time throughout his career so the sooner we can get rid of that the more we can start evaluating him as a mid-tier asset or late tier asset, I think would be better because um, they give me at least a bit more clarity of what the hell I want to do with him on my rosters. Um, yeah, see, like, and you get these yeah. opinions. So Dalton Campbell weighing in the chat. If you, he's still in his rookie contract, he's got the fifth year option as the first round rookie draft pick. He's got that financial security. You know, yes, you'd say easily would flip to 205 because it's just a, a sort of a throw at the dartboard. But having said that, Clyde's becoming more and more of a throw worthy <laughs> asset himself. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's just right. it's a tough one, and this is why we sort of bring him up in the lighthearted yep. chat part because there's not a lot of stats either way that's going to win you no. this argument. It's just no. what is this asset? What do we do? So whether or not we actually yeah. helped you with that, I have no idea. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to move it on to the next asset because yeah. this is what it is. It's just still, you look at them on a weekly basis, and you might go, "I'm going to sell him this week," and then a week's time, you go, "No, no, I wouldn't sell him. Want to keep him? It could be anything." Um, yeah. oh, I'm really excited for us to move on to your two guys because whenever you first told me about. Uh, what the punish Atali was going to be this week. These are the first two players that came to my mind. And yeah. I saw the show seat and I went, son cool. of a yeah. God, yeah, I don't have this. the bleep button. So well, I'll keep it PG, <laughs> but oh yeah. So let's, let's move on. Who you have for us? So the, the first guy for us, so Devonte Smith, right? He was, he was cruising onto this, into this year. He was fairly productive last year. Looked good. Hertz is looking more and more like the quarterback that's going to be there, depending on who you like and who you don't like. And all of a sudden, they hit the draft, and AJ Brown joins the roster. And you go, ah, right, okay. What do we do now? So he is the wide receiver too. He's been the wide receiver too at Alabama. Like it's, it's okay. It's fine. But this is not a high volume passing offense. This is not going to be a high productive passing offense. But it might be efficient all round. So, what was a pretty safe wide receiver two mid tier with huge upside is now still sitting there value wise um, in drafts. But there's a lot less security and a lot less confidence around what his ceiling could be. And I think that's what's caused a lot of this turbulence with his evaluation. Um, so what do you think of a guy like, so were you a, were you a, a Devonte fan when he came out? Were you a Slim Reaper fan? What was the, what was the vibe for you on him? Um, and where did you see him going into the year before AJ Brown came across? So I, I felt like I was much higher on Devonta Smith than most people on the show. Whenever <laughs> you all were doing the rookie uh, layout last season, I was like, man, he, he won the Heisman at yeah. wide receiver. He's great. Who yeah. does that anymore? <laughs> and then he comes out, and if it weren't for Jamar Chase going absolutely nuclear. Bunta, yeah. Oh, and then Jalen Waddle just also having, and any other time being offensive rookie of the year. Mm -hmm. I mean, like Devonta Smith had just about as good of a first season as you would expect from 
a wide receiver that got drafted in the middle exactly of the first round. Exactly what you wanted. Yeah. Exactly. But because of those rookies, it feels like he's being devalued right now. Whenever he mm. actually performed incredibly well, and we'll go over uh, the uh, the Eagles whenever or later on in the off season and kind of go over the target breakdown there. But I mean, like at the beginning of the season, they were passing a lot, mm. and that's what they want to do. So I don't I don't feel like like his target share is definitely going to go down. Because uh, it has to with AJ Brown coming there, but I don't think it's going to go down that much, and I think the volume actually is going to get a little bit higher. So I, I'm in a startup right now, and I'm going into the eighth round, and I'm just I'm holding my hands, I'm praying he's still there wherever I get to, because that's an easy smash for me. That's absolutely insane easy. value. Yeah, and I think that's it, right? Like so, like you said, they they were passing it at a rate that we probably didn't expect to see, um, and it's part of why we're also so, so high on Hertz is. We think it's going to be productive offense. We think, yes, this is a good point from Andy. So is the worst case scenario that Hurts sucks and they draft a QB with one of their 23 first and his value in theory goes up from there, possibly. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like the, the perception is if you own him on your roster, you're still pretty happy because he is still talented. In theory, the passing offense should improve. But there's always been a bit of like hesitance around any Philadelphia uh, sporting team in general or, or trustworthiness when it comes to, to fantasy assets. And we'll mm-hmm. talk about another one of their guys with your last boy. Um, but for me, it's like, you're still pretty happy, but are you going to go out of your way to go and buy him? And at what price would you go and buy him at? That's the key because it's one thing to say, I'm happy holding him because I trust the talent to go out and put your money on the line saying, all right, I want to go and acquire this guy. You know, like you said, eighth round, well, that's easy. But at what point in a, in a startup or at what point in established league is, is the tipping point, you know, are you trading a 23 first, a late, what you perceive to be a late 23 first for a Devonte Smith early in their off season? You wouldn't question it. That's exactly yeah. what you'd be doing. If I feel like but I'm competing now, this year, I'm 1,000% trying yeah. to send that to that owner and saying, hey, you drafted him to be a young producer. He's not going to do that great this year. Take this future asset. Yeah, sell the narrative. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll take him off your hands. You, you won't have to worry about that risk anymore. I got you. I like that narrative. I think that's good. I think this is you're sliding in nicely to the way that we approach trades. You know, you lie through your teeth. Yeah, I reckon he's going to be absolute shithouse this year. I will take that for you and take that risk and you can have whatever. And then all of a sudden we're off laughing to the, the championship. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Gosh. I'm with Tom on this one. So yep. I'd lose my second ball, but I'm moving for the 109 to 112. Exactly. In this year's wide receiver class, even though it's pretty good at the top, he still slides in arguably talent-wise with any of those guys. And mm. no one's screaming out with an opportunity or with a talented quarterback like he would be you know jalen hurts for me is still a guy who can hit targets um who is mobile i think as the offense improves his his relationship with smith should get better as well so it's mostly upside for me but there is always a bit of hesitance when it comes to buying into a more murky situation am i fully convinced am i fully in for me i am i'm keen on him um but not at the prices that some people are trying to charge because they still hope they can get a lot for Mm -hmm. him all right so let me ask you this then Devonta Smith or Sky Moore? Smith. Devonta yeah. Smith or Jameson Williams? Smith, health-wise. Um, yeah. And even Devonta- just the, the style of receiver that he is, um, mm-hmm. I'd be going Smith. Yeah. D- Devonta Smith, Garrett Wilson. Okay, good. Um, let's just pretend that the internet cut out there and I didn't hear that question. 
it didn't. It's just a tough question because this this is around about the mark, yeah. right? Yeah. Big boy talent. I don't love the Jets as a team. Not that anyone mm-hmm. really loves the Jets. Even Jets fans don't love the Jets. Um, but they're improving too, so they become more comparable. Except that the type of asset they both are are very different. One is the big guy who's going to go and dominate and, and you know get those massive ceiling games, but the floor may not be so good. But Smith should always produce the floor with the hope that the touchdowns improve and, and the red zone opportunities improve as well. Um, if I'm compete now, I'm going Smith, but I'm, I'm more than happy if someone said, with my 104, I want to keep Wilson and, and not go near a Smith. Fine, you can make that yep. argument. But that's pretty much the tipping point for me is around that mark. He's, he's worthy of a top six pick, pick this year. Um, as to where he slots in for you guys, whether you're a Burks fan, Wilson fan, London fan, he can slot in comfortably next to those guys, if not ahead, depending on who you, who you think is better. Yeah. All right, so let's move on to the other eagle on our list. And I put this player on here specifically because I wanted to ask you, I need help with this player. Same, desperately, yeah. <laughs> desperately need help because whenever I first got into Dynasty, I was all in on Miles Sanders. Yeah. All in. I'm, I'm still relatively new. Two years ago, I was, oh my gosh, if, if I were actually putting a lot of money in this, I would have lost a lot of money betting on Miles Sanders. And yep. Dalton, he was he was a little early to it, but I I I need help. What am I supposed to do with Miles Sanders? He's he finished the season strong, not yep. scoring touchdowns when they were yep. running the ball a lot, finished horribly in in the uh, running back rankings at the end. And oh do I do I want to get hurt again? So the key for me is I'm happy to have Sam. This is another guy with those running backs. You're happy to have him on the roster because you know you can't get the return you want for him, right? So you're not going to get a first for Sanders right now. Um, well, you might. You could try. Feel free to shop it. Ironically, with your two boys, so Sanders and CEH, <clears throat> these were two that you were looking to flip last year with the dip on CEH or the, even the year mm-hmm. before because people are going, oh, you know, Sanders is the hotness. You know, he's producing. I can go and get a cheap CEH. Well, now you, you kind of don't really want either. Or you kind of mm-hmm. do want either, but you don't have to pay the, what you paid for them. So Sanders, if you can get him cheap enough or as a throw-in on top, I really like this year. Um, I think production-wise, the issue is as well, is I think he's in his last year of his, his contract. So what happens at this running back position? Does he go and get another job if he moves on? Um, they're questions that do need to be asked. But if you're in redraft, yeah. I'm still pretty happy with him as you're running back three or onwards, or if you're doing um, you know zero RB, this is a guy that's going to be floating around later in drafts that, you can easily pick up and who's going to give you hopefully some some RB1 production weeks um, based mm-hmm. on this offense. But as to what you do with him on your dynasty roster, that it is a tough one. And he slots perfectly into this, what the hell do I do with these guys um, conversations because I'm hopeful, you know, like uh, yeah. I was with you. I thought, you know, this is like Saquon Light. This is like, you know, more affordable Saquon. Essentially, <laughs> he was better than Saquon for. in college. Well, he that's was. it, right? Straight but up. Saquon Saquon just had this like, this gravitas, this this there's, there's this like, yeah, this glow around Saquon as an asset, whereas this guy was just like a bit more rough and tumble around two selection as opposed to a first round. Like it was like, what's he going to be? So mm-hmm. I'm still hopeful. Um, I still think that sort of mid uh, RB2 is where he should sit, but you're getting him for late RB2 or early RB3 prices depending on how many people have been pushed up above him. Um, yeah. So am I evaluating him the same as like a Leonard Fournette as far as a win now? No. Someone like a Fournette, even though I don't think talent-wise the running back is as good as Sanders, I just can't see that. Um, and that's the better value pick. And I think that's the issue. Yep. Is if you're going to go out and buy 
someone to be that RB3, RB4 on your roster and, and have that depth. You're not looking, you're not overlooking a Connor or a um or a Fournette who are less sexy talented athletes for a guy like Sanders. He's sitting around that Josh Jacobs back end of that tier. Um I like this question from Andy Hartman. I mean, like Sanders is a high ADP by three spots over Clyde. Do you go with Clyde for the pass catching production or do you go with Sanders, who in theory also should have that, but hurts because of his running ability, takes away a fair bit from those check downs. So I think that's the frustration is he might get the ground usage, but 15 carries on the ground split with someone like Boston Scott, as it's been the last few years, and maybe three to five, you know, targets is not getting it done as far as the RB1 we wanted. So he either needs a hell of a lot more work on the ground, a lot of red zone opportunities and end zone opportunities, or a lot more pass catching work. And yeah. I don't know how the combination of that's going to fly out. We haven't we haven't broken down Philly's stats, but we're hopeful without having any conviction of how that's going to happen for us. All right. So what would you move for him if you want that? It's like at a late second round pick, if I can find somebody who would take that, I would easily buy Miles Sanders for that, especially if I felt like my team was extremely close to competing. It's one of those ironic things with a rookie draft where if you say, I traded the 210 for Miles Sanders. It sounds like a smash. Mm-hmm. But if in your draft, you pick up some of the 210 that someone else wants as a player and you trade them for Miles Sanders, that's different. So if you take like a Desmond Ritter at a 210, right? He slid through mm-hmm. and someone's particularly keen on a Desmond Ritter and you're not, that's the perfect swap. It, don't worry about the, what the, the pick evaluation sounds like. It's the player and the narrative, like you said before, that you can try to sell. So I'd be looking less to sell picks before the rookie startup for Miles Sanders I'd be looking for a throw-in or an, an, like a value-add on their side as a second piece because I don't okay. think you're going to get a fair evaluation, a pick swap in a trade game for a Sanders because you're either going to be asked to pay too high a value for what you want mm-hmm. with, again, the risk you're taking on you know to be hope. Um, yeah, okay. I think it's going to be more of those, those trade constructions where you might tear down from a guy that you're less interested in at running back to Sanders and add a sizable piece on top to get you that value. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and again, no. so Don Campbell coming yeah. through saying game will take away fantasy. It's still a bit foggy in that backfield, right? Yeah, there may not be a lot of pass catching work, and that's kind of where Gainwell didn't stand out last year. Was this wasn't the volume for a catching role and a, a running role, um, but there is there is the volume for a dual role, which I think Sanders can have. All right, uh, let's move on to the last player we have, and I'm going to tell you exactly why you should be all in on him. So, who do you, all right. who's the last player you have questions on? Elijah Moore. All right. <laughs> New York Jets wide receiver 1A slash B slash 2 slash whatever your opinion of him. <laughs> this is the issue, <laughs> right? Because we knew they were taking wide receiver in the draft. We knew that Garrett Wilson or someone like that would come in and is a different type of player to Elijah Moore. But we saw the potential, the speed, the explosivity, the boom from Elijah when he was healthy last year. So what do you do? This is a guy that people wanted to push up into that top tier, you know, that wide receiver, late one to two because of what he can do um, in an offense that's not proven to have a lot of production and high upside as of yet. What's the pie share look like? What are we looking for in an asset of this caliber? I'm trying to buy him everywhere I actually can. Like, if I'm rebuilding, I want Elijah Moore. If I'm competing, I want Elijah Moore because he is costing you wide receiver three prices right now. Especially right. in a startup draft, actually trying to trade for him in an established leagues a little bit more difficult. But I don't have that many issues if I feel like I'm competing, moving a 23 first for him. I okay. feel like uh, there's a little bit of scariness knowing that he only had two 
uh, wide receiver two weeks with Zach Wilson as the starting quarterback. He actually exploded whenever they were going through their carousel of backup quarterbacks. Yeah. So, I mean, that that that's a little nervous because then you're really betting on Zach Wilson to support multiple fantasy viable options. But he he has wide receiver one talent. He yep. produced like crazy at Old Miss. He very well could have been a first round draft pick last year, but going at what was it? 33rd or 34th overall. Mm -hmm. I mean, the only thing he's missing is being over six foot. That's, that's pretty much it. He's, he's as close. Yeah. yeah, He's as close to a can't miss prospect as you could want. And even at, uh, I think he's five ten. even at five ten, he was, he had one of the highest contested catch success rates out of that uh, draft class. So I am all, in on Elijah Moore anywhere I can get him. So I think this is the beauty, and this is the reason I brought this guy up because I thought he'd fall onto lists like you said before. He was one of the guys you wanted to talk about. I don't mm -hmm. have a lot of Elijah Moore, right? And that was partly because of where he went in rookie drafts um, and, and the way I built the teams last year was mm -hmm. I just didn't end up with a lot of shares. I have one in all the leagues I'm in. But because mm -hmm. of the um, the questionability of whether or not he's going to be the one or the two or what, what goes on in that offense, I too sniffed an opportunity, thought, oh, you know, I want to get myself some Elijah Moore because the, the <laughs> player, the talent is there. The opportunity will be there, whether or not it's going to be its ceiling, we don't know. Yeah. But at what price are we going to get him? So we might, this is a different conversation to like a Smith where, you know, you've got a big AJ Brown, we know is a target hog, we know is, is an established producer. That's going to devalue Smith a noble amount. This is just more, you've got to start inquiring and start, these, start opening up these conversations. Where do you have more? and hope that they are foolish enough to give you an honest reflection of their evaluation. Because it's one of those trade conversations that you could start going, I've got a chance here. And all of a sudden, the response is they want you to pay wide receiver one prices. And that just blows yeah. you completely out of contention. Um, I liked the 23 first evaluation you said before. If you're in on this guy and you think the talent stands up, the, yes, there's some top tier wide receivers next year we're, we're definitely intrigued by. But we've seen mm -hmm. this guy produce and we've seen the talent we know we can do. So... Again, if you're competing and you're thinking that you've got that later 23 first, by all means, roll the dice on that. I don't know what I'd be willing to pay for him because I don't know where he sits in that tier of, for me, wide receiver twos. A lot of these older guys are sliding down. So if you're competing yep. now, they're far more affordable. If you're looking to invest in rebuild, well, you're probably going to pay a pretty penny for him. Um, and that, that yep. for me, is where the questionability comes in. He's going to be around about that sort of 104, 105 evaluation again. But do you mm -hmm. take the concern of Wilson versus... Um, more for me at 104, you take more because you've seen the guy. But yes. for most, the profile of a Wilson says, well, he's going to be the guy that that draws the eye of the the gunslinging type player of, of what we hope Zach Wilson becomes. So it is it is a really tough conversation to have because I don't know even internally whether I think this guy is good enough to say I am the number one here and I'm going to produce at a rate that that justifies that um, because the price seems to still be around that mark of that's what I have to pay and that's the concern. Oh, I like uh, what Andy put in here. Hopkins and 210 or more. For me, it's, it's great easy smash more. Yep. But I'm that's saying. also, I, I had way too high on more. I know it's bad for me how high I can get on my guys. And yep. you all talk about, I need to be much more realistic with how I evaluate players. But that, yeah, that and the issue for me is, the issue for me there on that one is Hopkins. So because mm -hmm. he's missing at least the first six of this year, um, like you're losing out on some of that veteran production. He's already older. We already had concerns last year. You're buying an asset in that situation where you know you're not going to be able to sell him ever again. 
whereas yep. Moore still has all of that opportunity ahead of him. So that's an easier one. You replace Hopkins with a player that I'm more interested by, and all of a sudden it becomes a tough conversation. What about Keenan Allen or Elijah? So Keenan Moore? Allen for me is still probably a little too old, and that's not his fault. I okay. love him. He's one of those guys I still target for my teams, but not at the cost of an Elijah Moore. I'd be looking for two of those guys, you know? I'd want a Keenan and a Hopkins if I'm competing or something like that for that more because you want that guaranteed I've got a shot at this because I know I'm not getting any of that value back ever again. So in every startup draft I've done this year, Keenan Allen is going multiple rounds ahead of where Elijah Moore is going. See, that's easy money. Yeah, yeah, easy, easy money. And I've I've traded down, I think, six times in one of the startups I'm in right now. And people keep going, why are you trading down so much? You actually have to pick a player. I I just look at Elijah Moore there. He's smiling back at me and I'm ready. (laughs) I'm so ready. So uh, I think that's the thing. Yeah, like the, these guys, and the, sorry, I'll finish up with this. The, the reason yeah. we, we talk about these guys, because as established roster owners, a lot of the time, we don't do a lot of startup drafts anymore. Um, we know there's an opportunity here where their value is sliding, but the people who bought into them at higher costs are less likely to sell them. So your opportunity mm-hmm. then presents itself in drafts, like you said. So yeah. if you are in a position and you're listening to the show and you're looking for advice in a startup draft, these are the guys to target because people get concerned about grayer situations. Every single thing is <laughs> is gray in this in this industry. So go and get these guys who are young, who their ceiling is still high, who their their current floor could be great. Um, mm-hmm. And these are the assets to target. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to take a break here for a second, uh, and when we come back, we're going to share some of the more exciting news that we have for the Full Tilt brand. Uh, so enjoy another clip from JJ's show, wherever he gives us his advice on how you get into this business. Not only do rankings not really tell you everything that you need to know about how we're analyzing this game, um, but I think that that at the end of the day, there's you know it, it just it, it's not the most difficult thing to put together, and anyone can do it. And I want to do things and push myself to to build things and create things that other people aren't doing. So I think a lot of it really comes down to like using this curiosity and this love and passion for this game that we love. <laughs> All right, so I said I was going to talk about some of the more exciting news we have for the Full Tilt brand, and it is that we now have the Full Tilt Dynasty Discord live. You can find it at the Patreon. The link is going across the bottom. Just type in Full Tilt Dynasty Discord. And I mean, there's we already have so many people, so many people that we haven't really interacted with that are hopping in, they're asking us questions. I think we were talking about Anthony Richardson for a couple hours. It felt like last <laughs> night, or maybe I was just so tired. It felt like hours, but I mean, there's so many good conversations going on in there right now. And you all need to come and be a part of it. And when you do, you will be entered in to win a Debo Samuel signed Jersey. Whoops. That's upside down. Ignore that. Debo Samuel signed Jersey just by joining. That's it. It's that easy. So not only do you get in on winning somebody who won you leagues last year and winning his signed jersey but you're going to get league winning advice from us or you're going to get just crazy rants from me we'll we'll see i'll try to do something better than that (laughs) well fun banter yeah exactly it'll be fun banter uh but you're going to hear a little bit from me i'll try to let you all experts do a lot more but tom lee thomas tipple big billy jacob sanderson all all the guys that you're used to hearing on this program and they're going to give you expert advice and it's 
it's just that much more interaction between us and you. So definitely come in, join the Discord, help us, help you, help yourself try to win a jersey. And now let's let's talk about the hard yakka. Did I say that right? Nice, good pronunciation. This is oh, good. Thank you. I appreciate it. And yeah. we're going to be doing the NFC North. Uh, so who do you want to start with, Vikings or Bears? Let's go Vikes. Let's let's roll uh, through the Vikes because we were saying that, before the that's show much started, nicer. <laughs> yeah, there's there's been a less I mean, there's, there's more optimism for a lot of these players, and uh, there's been less change in the off season. So I think we roll through the Vikes. We look at what to expect from these players that we've come to love over the last few years. Some of who are maybe on their slow, slow down slope. So let's have a look at this. Mm-hmm. So All right. there there are a lot of aging assets on this Vikings team. You have Kirk Cousins who is perennially undervalued but also somehow overvalued and you want him on your team but you also want to get rid of him as soon as you get him (laughs) i mean what what do you think about what he's doing he has the number two in the league in deep ball targets and he's number three in the league in money throws i mean yeah it's somebody who's producing multiple fantasy relevant options so how are you feeling about kirk cousins going into this season Kirk Cousins is a player that we, for some reason, because of his consistency and accuracy coming from Washington across, we view as this consistent fantasy asset. He's one of the more mm-hmm. boom-bust guys when it comes to, to blow-up games as a quarterback, and that's what leaves him down sort of down those tiers in that um, those middling to late sort of QB2 conversations, whereas really, he often produces a lot higher than that, right? Um, and that's the mm-hmm. issue with streaming is he's well, if you're playing redraft, he's one of those perfect streaming quarterbacks because you get the matchup right, and these boom games are, are you know league winning. Um, exactly. For dynasty for us, we don't want him as our QB one because, well, I mean, just don't you don't want that volatility of that position. You yep. want stud with a high floor, but he'll give you a game every now and then where he puts up a five because he didn't run. He threw three interceptions and Dalvin Cook scored four on the ground. Right, they still yep. won the game somehow, but he was absolutely useless to your to your fantasy team. So, you know, what do we expect? For me, it's more of the same. You know, we were a little concerned that he wasn't going to get his contract renewed or he wasn't going to stay. And there was a little volatility about his his position on the offense. But you roll through these numbers, you know, pass attempts, 560 passes at 35.1 per game, 10th in the league, but it's still a great opportunity when you have the assets we're going to talk about later coming through. Um, let alone the running game that's, that's founded by the next guy we'll talk about in Cook. So... So much of this profile says, you know, this is a, a QB2 that you want, and the price is affordable. You know, fantasy points oh, per game here. This is the key, and this is what, you know, history passer rating, yes, you can look at all the other stuff on, on the yep. stat sheet. But fantasy points per game, he performed six spots higher than his expected fantasy points per game. And that's kind of a flag if you are going to say that there's some regression built into this. But the mm-hmm. way that his wide receivers play, of course you're going to score more than expected because you have – the explosivity and you have the asset in Justin Jefferson. So for me, mm-hmm. if you can get him at that sort of QB 18 to QB 20 price and people are talking up the Danny Dimes or anyone in the twenties that you're not so sure about, <laughs> you go get this guy. You can trade him for a late, you can get him for a late first because people aren't really yep. uh, associating cousins with sexiness and production, but put him in that QB two spot and he will win you weeks for sure. And that for me is what I come Definitely. to expect next year for, for cousins. Um, and a guy that I'm very happy to buy and have as my QB two, or rotatable QB3, depending on how you construct your rosters and how much value mm-hmm. you have on your assets. All right, so I'll, we'll talk about his fantasy point potential decline this uh, this season in a little bit whenever we get down to his weapons. But first, let's talk about another aging asset in Dalvin <laughs> Cook. 
Oh my goodness. He, I think everybody has this lofty perception of who Dalvin Cook is because he won you, if not one, probably two fantasy championships. And you definitely already have his jersey. You probably have multiple of his jerseys. You may have even named a child after him. I don't really <laughs> recommend that. But that's the kind of asset he's been for you, aside from wherever he gets injured. And then Which you have to. Season. Yeah. And then you're yeah. begging that Alexander Madison owner to lend you him for a week. It doesn't <laughs> yeah. really go well because I say, I promise I'll give him back next week, but they don't ever really buy it. it but I mean, happens. he's. Yeah. He's still producing at least at an elite workload, and he's actually still provides you some of that efficiency that you're looking for, unlike Anaji Harris. I mean, holy cow, he's number five in carries, number five in rush yards. Uh, his receiving workload's going down a little bit, but I mean, he's still uh 26 in targets. I mean, that's a 12% target share, yeah, yeah, 13th in the league in target share. I mean, what what more can you expect from? your number one running back. This is it. So Cook, up until this year, was a two to three first guy, right? You're going, you have to pay up to get this guy because you know you're going to get top 10 production when he's on the park. And the key has been his health has been pretty good withstanding a few weeks um, mm -hmm. for the last two years. So this, this has been a top five easy guy. The problem now is he's getting old. A little bit of shine has been taken off. A few of these younger yeah. guys are presenting as better options. And everyone's saying this is your last chance to sell Dalvin Cook. For me, I think your last chance to sell Dalvin Cook was last year <laughs> because <laughs> I don't want to sell him for a first. I'd rather mm -hmm. keep Dalvin Cook and his production, which should be exactly the same. Um, yes, you know, some of these things went down, but his expected fantasy points per game were actually higher than what he produced at, which is fascinating for a guy who we associate with dominating. Um, mm -hmm. And he's still number five as far as it comes to, to like you said, rush yards and carries. So He's going to get the opportunity. There's no one there that's more talented that's going to take over unless he gets injured. Madison's still going to be there. He's mm -hmm. still that perfect backup sort of by-play guy for them. It's not going to become a, a, a committee as far as we know. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy that, for me, I still want. And especially if the price starts dropping, there's going to be points of which I'm intrigued to go and get him. What you don't want is, in the kind of the reverse of the assets we talked earlier, was in the startups, these guys still get pushed up a little too high for me. Yeah. So, I mean, there was a startup this year... Where I was getting Dalvin Cook, and we're talking like third, third yep. or fourth round. That's sure. hard to pass up. That's like, hard. You know, bring me that production. I'll, I'll push for a, you know, compete this year, next year, mm -hmm. knowing I'm not going to be able to ever sell him. So that's a concern is if you're in a startup, your third and fourth round pick, you're picking a guy that you know you cannot sell who's going to go and drop off soon. That's a, that's a concern and a risk. But as far as established leagues go, this is the guy that I'm targeting because people want out. They want to yeah. go young. They want to renew their roster. So... You know, bring me Dalvin Cook for two years. I'm very, very happy in that position. The problem and the downside being you're never going to get uh, the same from him as far as value goes again. Are you concerned at all with his PFF grades being the lowest they've been in his career? Uh, his overall grade was 65.8, and he actually scored lower than Alexander Madison in receiving grade in the 50s. Does, does that concern you? Yeah. Do, do you think that might spell the end might be a lot nearer than two years could it be midway through the season we're going oh mm. yeah i mean quite possibly it puts it more of like an ezekiel elliott style situation with a pollard yep. except i don't see madison as being as pollard yeah Ma talented. madison's not pollard no yeah so the key here though, unless is the it's money's the preseason speech, right yeah the money's attached to cooks so even if the the grade goes down the idea of well if we have cook standing there we're going to draw more 
running defense into the middle of the field, open up opportunities on the outside. If we put Madison there, it's not going to be quite the same threat. So whether or not the, mm-hmm. the grades matching and heading in the right direction for us and what we know, the opportunity is still there. The conversion rate doesn't need to be high because this team will be close to having a lot of red zone and end zone opportunities. He's still going to fall in for touchdowns. So the overall points shouldn't drop. But yes, as far as an asset goes, the uh, the statistical signs, not so good. Yeah, Let, we'll go through this fairly quickly. Alexander Madison, do you see him as somebody who can be his own fantasy asset whenever he's off his uh, contract going into next season? Do you, no. Or is he going to always <laughs> just be that handcuff? Okay, no. Uh, yeah, and it's not his fault. And it's because there's yeah. always a younger, more talented guy that's coming through. It's the same for me. And again, they're not the same asset as Pollard. Pollard's a better asset. But it's the same yeah. concern I have for him. You get older. Mm-hmm. You've never held the workload your own. Um, it's like the reverse Miles Sanders. He's had the workload and not necessarily done everything they want with it. But they end up becoming comparable assets because one has, like, they both have talent. One's just been denied the opportunity. The way that the, the NFL is heading, unless it's all turning to running back committees and they land in an even split, these guys are just going to sit there as these assets that are acquirable and you're hoping that the league guy goes down because it's, not, yeah. it's nothing against Madison, but I want the younger, faster, more explosive guy who's cheaper than going out and buying a Madison after his contract's up. So which, if I'm an NFL team. Yeah. Which in this case is going to be Ty Chandler, who they drafted mm. in the fifth round. four three seven speed, originally from University of Tennessee. So I have to give him no a bias. little bit of a yeah. shot. No bias at all. Okay. <laughs> He's just going to be a future fantasy RB1. So just go <laughs> ahead, draft him in every single one of your rookie drafts in the third, fourth round, and you're going to be a very happy person. Or you'll just release him next year and you can say I was wrong, which is perfectly yeah. fine. So that's it. the acquisition cost is low enough that it doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, so I don't want to spend too much time talking about Justin Jefferson. We all know he's an elite fantasy asset. He is going in the first round of every single startup there is. He's going before some of the quarterbacks like Dak Prescott right now. Uh, he's in the same breath as Jonathan Taylor, Jamar Chase, and Kyle Pitts. I mean, I. I, he he can't get much better, but he's going to. He's still 22 years old. Yeah, I mean, and he's already a top five wide receiver in the league. We're we're always going to be buying him. So unless you have anything, let's move on to Adam Thielen. All I want to do with oh. Jefferson is just read off. So this is the yep. number at that position, right? And you can go. Tar- mm-hmm. So it's just targets, receptions, yards. Four, four, two, three, one, eight, seven, seven, six, twelve, one. It's just it's high in production the whole way through. He's young, he's talented, he's got an accurate quarterback in an offense that doesn't have anyone taking target share away from him. 30% target share and 30% in the red zone as far as target share goes. Mm-hmm. Yes, please. The, oh the question is, is he your wide receiver one or is he your wide receiver two? And that's the only thing you need to consider when it comes to acquiring yep. Jefferson. And me personally, I'm taking Jefferson over Chase. That, yep. that, that's just me. I like the predictability of somebody who's going to, I don't want to worry about touchdowns whenever i'm evaluating receivers to me that's just all icing on the cake and his touchdown numbers are going to go up because he did yeah it's just uh, <laughs> i get too, too excited talking about, yeah. yeah like oh my god oh my god it's like tom on the ravens episode i'm like well yeah. we've just lost him yeah this is it <laughs> so let's let's talk about alan thielen and i mentioned earlier about kirk cousins performing over expected and i think a lot of it ties into alan thielen school yeah. performing way over expected because there's no way he's going to do what he did in the red zone over and over and over again. It's just 
that is just a ridiculous amount of efficiency and yeah. it has to go down at some point in time or at least fantasy, that's my thought fantasy points per game 11 positions higher than his expected fantasy points per game that tells you the story of adam Thielen's season now i'm a yeah. guy who's got a bit of Thielen sitting on a few rosters the dude's 31 turning 32 i believe uh, mm-hmm. That's old. His hamstrings have gone on him at least once a, once each season of the last two to three seasons, mm-hmm. but he still gets it done. He's still the he's still that relied upon target, especially deep. So unless he absolutely loses that burst, he's still going to have some relevance. You just can't lean on him as as you know that wide receiver one on certain weeks that you have in the, the past few years. So the acquisition cost should be quite low. So if you want to go and add deal into some deals, I'm more than happy with it. Um, I think it's a good little value add and a good little depth addition and we we love talking value on this on this show um but you're right yards per target like we're talking 60s 50s not great um his yeah. efficiency is what's led to this production so um yeah happy to have him on board but yeah mm-hmm. this this 95 targets at 7.3 a game with a, with high efficiency and high touchdowns yeah that's not gonna have done this next year i don't think yeah i i think that at this point like you said, touchdowns have to come down. There's touchdown regression coming for him, and it's going to be barreling towards him like a train, unfortunately. And I was very happy to get him in deals last year. He helped me win championship in a league. But at this point, I mean, thanks thanks for your years of service, Adam Thielen, yeah. but goodbye. He's a, th- he's a throw-in. Yeah, it's nothing. Yeah. Yep. But does that make you more excited for KJ Osborne or Tyler Conklin or some of these other lesser options on their team? Because if he's not guarding these targets, I mean, somebody's mm. got to. And Justin Jefferson can't get more targets. It's just, it's not going to happen. He, he's not going to have a 182 target season. No, like, they have to go somewhere else. Yeah, like Michael Thomas. So does that make you excited for Osborne or uh, Conklin? I think so. The key is right. So the reason that Conklin's on the sheet is that he was there last year. So Conklin's gone to the Jets. Mm-hmm. Oh, he, sorry. he signed that three year deal. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is what people are getting excited about: is that Irv Smith, who was out Thank last you. year, who has no stats, all of a sudden fills the Conklin role. Mm-hmm. So what I'm seeing is a lot of the targets will get split between these two, as well as any other low lying wide receivers. That's why Thielen, I think, still has some, you know, fill in flex production every now and then. But mm-hmm. Osborne's one that's really, really cheap to acquire, and you know. Had had a few deep targets, had the same amount of deep targets that Thielen did last year. His target share was only 15%. Thielen's is on the decline, but there's still a lot of targets to go around. And I want to sort of use KJ and, and what Tyler did last year comparatively because the target share was 15.6 for Conklin and 14.7 for KJ. So it really depends what you think Irv Smith's going to do and, and what he's going to be because some people are very high on him. Um, yep. I don't think he's athletically necessarily any different to most other wide receivers who just score the odd touchdown. Um, but that's just a personal opinion, and we know I don't like tight ends. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's more a case of what do you see as, as the upside for Osborne? I'm thinking in the same sort of way as like KJ Osborne, um, Russell Gage now in Tampa Bay. You know, it's it's a piece of an offense you don't mind having that's going to provide some good flex weeks, and then, and that's what I'm hoping for for KJ. If he surprises me and goes past that, even better. But the time to acquire it's now because he's very, very cheap, mm-hmm. and he's off people's minds when it comes to you know, throwing him in as an, as an asset. He can literally just be one of those, well, if I'm adding a fourth, you know, can you throw KJ onto my end of the deal? And be like, yeah, whatever, whatever. And you're going, all right, cool. Who knows? Yeah, you then know? you're just freeing up a roster space. That's what you tell him. I will let yeah. you free up that roster space. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Just I'm doing you the favor. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know you want to go out and you want to pick up one of these other guys who's just sitting on waivers and you want to give him a shot. I'll take mm-hmm. KJ. That's fine. 
can't put him on a taxi squad, whatever. Um, yeah, so I mean, I'm, I'm optimistic without necessarily being very high on what's going to happen. Uh, Irv Smith for me is the one that I just want to wrap up with. What are your thoughts? Are you a fan? For me, the acquisition price, as with every other tight end, is way too high. So mm-hmm. what do you want to do with Irv Smith this year? I mean, I don't even know what the acquisition price for Irv Smith is. I don't know if Another people even point. remember that th- he's on their rosters at this yeah. point. Because I, I Case think in point, you didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can, yeah. completely <laughs> forgot. But yeah. I remember going into uh, the preseason last year everybody was hyping up Irv Smith. They're like, okay, he's, mm-hmm. he's ready. Whenever you miss out on the top five, six tight ends, just wait until your last pick mm-hmm. draft Irv Smith and brag about to all your friends at the end of the year saying, I saw this coming. Uh, it didn't work out for you. It, it wasn't even close to it's working out. For him. Yeah. And he didn't have that great of a profile coming out of college. So, I mean, it, it, to me, it always comes down to your own personal opinion. Then if you like him, you're not going to have to spend a lot to acquire him or you already have him. And if you don't like him, yeah. then you're not looking for him or you already forgot that he's at the very bottom of your bench and won't see the light of day until somebody offers you a late third and you go, oh, free third round picture. Let's move on with life. So, yeah, that, that's kind of where I feel. On him. Uh, and speaking of going take on a, with life. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's take a quick 30 second break and then we'll come back. We'll finish up with the Bears. Because like Young Joker said, I kept a reel from the start. Uh, and, and look, Kadarius Tony, second in the league last year in target rate, comes out into an offense that's potentially going to be passing the ball an absolute metric crap ton this year with Daniel Jones, who, by the way, I almost think, I almost made Daniel Jones my pick here for moving into the top 20 quarterbacks. Um, yep. I love the setup in this offense. I expect to see Tony out at Z, Galladay at X, and then if Shepard comes back healthy at any point, I see him and Wandale as double slots at a 10 personnel offense. All right. So like I said, we are finishing up with the Bears. And I mean, oh, that's it it's ugly. Yeah, the same to way talk that they're finishing them. up. Yeah. <laughs> Man. I mean, for me personally, I see some of these young pieces on this team, like Justin Fields, who I was dying for my Broncos to draft until we got Russell Wilson. Now I don't care about Justin Fields. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I see Darnell Mooney, who, in my opinion, has overperformed where he was drafted at this point. You see Colt Olkomet, who's definitely due for some touchdown. <laughs> I don't even want to say regression, progression. He has to score one at some point. Yeah, positive. You can I positively mean, regress to the main. Yeah. yeah. Fair enough. I mean, there's there's a lot of young, talented pieces on here, but I, I have no idea what to do with them. Just being honest, no clue. Yep. Yeah. So field let's start with fields because mm-hmm. at least he's one of the the pieces that's still on the roster. Um <laughs> My major concern, so I loved Fields coming out, right? I thought super mm-hmm. talented, underrated, slid down to Chicago, thought perfect opportunity, right? You know, simplify the game plan, just run, play action over and over and over again, get him reps, get him used to the speed of the game, hit Alan Robinson a bunch of times, run Montgomery into the end zone, run down Mooney deep. None yep. of that happened. Um, yep. He got absolutely smashed. The, the offensive line just got pressure on him consistently, they were having in the pocket whether it was his fault or whether it was the offensive scheme. And, you know, with Nagy gone, it suggests it was probably the latter. Um, 
but he was standing there waiting and waiting far too long to throw, getting absolutely hit. The running became less effective. He got injured. There's all sorts of things going on with this guy. Um, and I'm still hopeful because I still think he's super talented. But the longer this goes in the way that the NFL has shown this before is that if you're, even if you're a first round draft pick, if you're not showing signs in your first two to three years and the fan base is not being inspired by what's mm-hmm. happening, you're replaceable. And that's the concern for me with Fields is that he yeah. is just being used as that use him, burn him piece, and then we'll bring in the guy that we actually want, whether it's next year or the year after. Um, yeah, and that's there's, the concern. Yeah. there's whole new personnel in Chicago from the yep. front office down to and the they head didn't coach. Didn't draft him. Yeah, and, yeah, and they didn't draft him, and they didn't use a top ten pick on him. But yeah, I mean, for fantasy, he should still provide value in terms of yeah. if you were putting him in as your quarterback too. He was so much more viable once he started running uh, yeah. towards the end of the season. I mean, he he got beat up more, uh, but he had a respectable uh, PFF rushing grade at seventy five we weren't expecting him to be a very highly graded passer. I mean, it was yeah. 60 in PFF, but his true value, if he becomes somebody who's going to be helping your fantasy team, it's going to be through his rushing attempts. But unfortunately yeah. that's going to hurt the next people we're going to talk about being David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert. But let's start with Montgomery. Who's been their typical bell cow. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't know if bell cows really what we can say at this point. Lead. Uh, let's just say lead back. Lead. Okay. Like, let's let's yeah. do lead. That's sure. That, that's even a little bit of a stretch with how Herbert performed last year, but they're yeah. lead back. Yeah. But oh. Monty, right? So the appeal is that Monty has won a lot of people championships for the, the last two years. Um, he was easy and cheap to acquire. He was mm-hmm. not seen as a sexy asset. He didn't have the draft cap that everyone wanted in that sort of first two round draft cap. So there's still a bit of like hangover from that. Um, he was just one of those guys that you could affordably get consistently, whether it's for a late first or whether it's as, you know, the running back 19 to 24. You could just put on your roster and see what happened. And for the last two years, that's been a really good thing. Um, yeah. Herbert popping up, depending on who you are, changes this a fair bit. For me, I still like Monty as that same area, so that run, that sort of late running back two. But in that range, yep. the, the older guys, that we mentioned them before, but the Fournettes, the Connors, who have just been middling down there with these sort of one or two year contracts, all of a sudden their ceiling games make them far more of the priority and they're about the same price to, to acquire. So the ceiling from them for me is higher than Monty. Therefore he sort of fades to insignificance, but in startups, he's also sliding a fair way. So he's a relevant asset because I still think he is usable, whether it's flex or whether it's rotating through that running back two spot on those given weeks, because we know running backs get injured. Um, he's still a highly relevant guy, even if Fields' production on the on the ground improves. I think mm-hmm. I was saying to someone else, it might have been been Maddie from our crew last year. Just simplify the game for for these guys. Fields, Hurts, these athletic, awesome players. Just give them a chance to decide one of two things: Do I hand it off? Do I hold it? Do I run? Do I pass? Just simplify the game. Keep it in front of them. You have, and we're going to get to the Cole commits, and we, you know, yeah. you had Robinson last year. But you can check down to Monty. You can run the ball. You can check down to Khalil. Like, there's usable assets. There's no reason they couldn't put some of these guys in the slot as well. So I'm yet to be convinced as to what Monty's overall role will be. But I still think a relevant piece that you're you're more than happy to have or acquire if it's cheap enough. Yeah, shout out to Maddie for getting all these stats for us together. Definitely doing so much background work uh, to make it to where we can give you this information. And then also shout out to Andy Starr, who you can find on the Full Tilt Devi podcast. But Thomas, 
two weeks ago, Thomas roasted him pretty hard for drafting <laughs> David Montgomery in the fifth round. And uh, you can go to our YouTube page uh, under the clip that, that session. And you can see that he's now, he's a company man. You have to represent us in a much better fashion than drafting David freaking Montgomery in the fifth round of a startup. But I, I will say in Montgomery's defense, because I was very high on him going into last year. I want to make myself feel a little better for trading Javante <laughs> Williams plus yep. for David Montgomery, which still hurts. Uh, Ouch. He looked, yeah. yeah, he looked extremely good in the first game, at least in terms of being an explosive running back. But yeah, I mean, some of these, some of these smaller injuries, whenever a coach is on the hot, hot seat, you get rushed back a little bit faster than you probably want to. And then you just, he didn't look like the same person at the end of the year, but also yeah. saying that he's still graded higher than Dalvin cook, according to PFF. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's just, it's if a you have him, opportunity. Yeah. Like if you're going to get given the opportunity, if your team is better, cook still looks like the better pick, but you're right from mm -hmm. a, from an, from a talent point of view and from a performance point of view. Um, yeah. Monty was the, the better running back. But that's that's so that's strange to say. Oh my gosh, uh, I'm going I'm going to delete that from the show later. I don't want to saying that Monty was better than Dalvin Cook. I don't want people to attribute that to us. But that, that's yeah, fine. You're clips that you can pick and yeah, choose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll cut it out. If there's just this yeah. gap in the show, pay no attention to it. So what happened it's, there? It's, it's really dark, and there's a lot of clips being put in. This is strange. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right, I think we have belabored the running backs as much as we possibly. Could at this point, if you have David Montgomery, fine. I don't really see that you can get a lot of value by trading him. I think the I think most value the is just holding yeah. on to him. Uh, if you can get Khalil Herbert for an asset that you're not depending that much on, I mean, yep. there's no harm, no foul. He was very efficient in his opportunities last year. Uh, but let's let's move on to wide receivers where the Bears have to replace 42% of their air yards, targets, red zone targets. I mean, this is going to be a whole new passing attack for them because Allen yep. Robinson is now in a much sunnier place. Yeah. Better yeah, days are ahead for, for him. Yeah, thanks for his yes. share. Yeah. But I mean, <sighs> we have Darnell Mooney, who's going about the exact same place as uh, Elijah Moore's going. And I mean, he he's produced better than Elijah Moore has. I mean, nobody will say that Darnell Mooney is a better prospect than Elijah Moore or Devonta Smith. Nobody's going to say that. But I mean, he's he actually produced pretty well last year. And I'm scared that I'm going to look at these stats too much and go, man, that's somebody I really want to buy with all of the opportunities that are out there. I mean, he was still 11th in targets last year and he can get more targets. He very well could yeah. be at 160, 170 targets this year. And that wouldn't surprise me that much, even if I don't see him as talented of a player as Devonta Smith or Elijah Moore or some of the rookies coming in like Garrett Wilson, who probably won't see north of 120 targets. So, I mean, yeah. uh, where, where are you on Darnell Mooney? Do you think he's going to make that jump into somebody that will be drafting ahead of DJ Moore potentially next year? Uh, no, just because I don't think the value is attached to the name. So you're going to find the guys who do value in that high. And the issue with the Dino Mooney with established leagues is that over these last few years, if you've had a league that's established, the person who loves him the most will generally own him. So you're not going to be able to buy him for a value from the person who likes him more than you do. And in our situation, you're going to take the other guys ahead of him because you like those players, you know, talent-wise more. Even if the stats stack up, 
you're not going to go with a statistical argument and overpay in your opinion for someone whose stats look good on a team that is completely new. Drafts is different. Um, and again, like you said, so I mean, target share, like, so he's got 20, a 27% target share um, and the red zone targets are 20% because they just weren't there that much. That's the downside. Um, but 140 targets, 8.2 a game, 11th in the league. It's, you know, it's, it's what you want. It's a very serviceable wide receiver, two, three, that sits on a roster, performs week in, week out. He runs deep, you know, 15th in the league in deep targets. Um, the key is, you know, if the accuracy from fields or if the passing, you know, increases in its efficiency, then that's good for him too. So there's a fair bit of upside, mm-hmm. and we hate the word upside, but there's a fair bit of upside performance-wise to be had. Mm-hmm. Um, and he should have more than five touchdowns next season. You would you would yeah. hope he has more than five touchdowns, but that's probably also betting more on Justin Fields than it is betting on Darnell Mooney. It is, and that's the thing. We can't say that we're optimistic for Fields without saying that someone like Mooney has to perform to make that happen. It can't all happen on the mm-hmm. ground for Fields. So... And he's the only guy that has any name recognition really left. We've got a few guys we'll talk about that were free agents who are intriguing because of the acquisition price. Mm-hmm. But 140, 160 targets to a guy who can run fast, run deep, run most of the routes effectively. If, you, if you're a Mooney fan, you're going to get a value on him in startup drafts for sure because mm-hmm. I'll be taking every other guy around that same price or like better. And it's not to say that I dismiss him. I just don't. This is nothing about that profile that says this is the, the guy that I want in that tier. Um, and as a result, he normally slides. Someone else will take him, which is a shame because I think he'll have a good season. In best ball drafts, I'm definitely going to have a lot of teams with the Justin Fields, Darnell Mooney stack just because See, isn't, of their acquisition Isn't that funny? Like, it, yeah. That's scary. That's It's like, scary putting that. It's not wrong. Like there. it's, yeah. Yeah. It's it's a good point. So, I mean, you know, a lot of guys love playing their dynasty rosters like best ball because if they're playing each week, mm-hmm. you're going to get that performance anyway. So why not take the risk? Um yeah, and plus add Cole Komet on there. I mean, that's a person who should benefit greatly from Allen Robinson being out uh, in LA. Is I mean, he he had 93 targets last year. That's eighth for the position. Uh, top 12 in receptions, top 12 in yards, top 12 in target share, number six in deep targets. But I mean, mm-hmm. he he just has to score a touchdown. How many touchdowns did he score last year? Zero. <laughs> Zero. Yeah. You know what? We scored the same amount of touchdowns last year as he did. And that's I had a great that's, year as far as touchdowns went. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it makes me feel like I can go out there and start running routes. I probably couldn't get near as many catches as him or actually get on thin or not get destroyed going off the line of scrimmage. But I mean, I, I can produce the same amount of touchdowns. So that's 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 awful nice. But I, so I, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Lucas, you you can clip this. This right. is a tight end ready. at cost. That I'm happy to buy. <laughs> right? oh, wow! All you had to do was have Tom leave the show, and now or Tom is because you're Tom. All you had to yeah, do was that's have him right. leave the show, and you can and buy a tight end. We talked a few weeks ago, and I think even Tom mentioned off Tom Tipple mentioned off the cuff. Komet is a guy he's interested in too because mm-hmm. a lot of the tight end value is in touchdowns. So if someone's valuable and they didn't score any, I'm happy to I'm happy to buy that asset. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's like you know we hate the word upside, but literally there's no downside. You can't go down from zero touchdowns and mm-hmm. 93 targets in an offense that lost assets with no one else to fill those targets is is the the guy you want to jump on. Um, what the price is, don't know. That's the issue. Um, so I've been seeing him going around tight end 18 and startup drafts so far. Easy and take him. Yeah. Incredibly easy. He scored. Almost three points fewer than his expected fantasy points per game. I mean, we should yeah. definitely see that sort of 
positive regression to where he's going to be doing something to where if you're spending a 15th round startup pick on him or you're sending out a third round rookie or even a late second because yep. you need a tight end i mean that's that's pure yes. value that you're getting <laughs> that's so much value yeah yeah mm. it, it just the easiest value you can possibly have i am a little concerned that pff graded him as poorly as they did at 63.4 yeah. but i mean for somebody who should actually score a touchdown this year, I I'm fairly excited and I I can't leave every single one of my redraft and best ball drafts with Cole Komet just because that's pure lunacy. But I feel like he's gonna disprove that. <laughs> I, I am. He's, he's going to be on the vast majority be on all of them. them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so I'm I'm really excited about Cole Komet. And we'll get into the other options uh real quick here. Byron Pringle. Yep. Uh, Aquami St. Brown, Dante Pettis is resurfacing here. Uh, the Jones, greatest tight end Pettis. threat to Cole Komet, Dante Pettis. <laughs> <laughs> but somebody on this team that I've said during the uh, day two of the live draft show, and I have to talk about him because I'm a UT fan, is Bayless Jones Jr. I mean, yep, he's 32 coming in, or actually 25. Sure he's 32? But... I'm pretty sure he's 85, yeah. <laughs> 25 there we go i think i think we got it right now but i mean so he's definitely he's got some gray hairs as he's coming into camp but i mean he's somebody who runs a 4-3-1 who is just absolutely electric with the ball in his hands i feel like he's going to be a lot better football player than fantasy player and i feel like he'll definitely end up helping justin fields a lot just because if you have a quarterback who struggles himself to be creating yards through the air, having wide receivers who can create those yards after the catch will definitely be helping Justin Fields' fantasy value. And he's somebody who I'm definitely looking at in the fourth round and going, that's hard to pass up that kind of value or that kind of potential, even if, because there's probably not that much more development in his game. He can probably come out and have a top 40 wide receiver season, verge or at least show those flashes to where from week to week he might win you a week because he just decides to just go off and he might have three catches for 105 yards and two touchdowns but he's, he's somebody i'm looking to buy to sell later because i do recognize even as much as i'm a homer and I, I believe in him the player the fantasy asset makes me nervous especially and there's nobody else at the wide receiver room though, who I think can actually help produce. I think those are the things that you laid out. So that's perfect. So he's doesn't matter what age he is, if he's going to produce straight away. Mm -hmm. um, the opportunity in that room is very open. Um, he's competing yep. against yes. Professionals like a, a Pringle. Who's like a your classic. He's like your backup quarterback. He's like your professional <laughs> wide receiver. You can go to any team, perform that task. That's absolutely fine. But this guy's quick. And mm -hmm. if they can put together a bit more of that, Offense, I think they want to try to build around where Mooney becomes the more Allen Robinson style receiver and you can just run Jones deep. Why not? You're yeah. spending a fourth or in some cases a waiver wire, um, a, you know, acquirement of, of this guy. So the and we always talk about return on investment, the acquisition price. It's nothing. So, yep. you know, go get both. If you've got the roster depth for it, why not? Um, mm -hmm. There's not a lot of risk to this shot. So it's a name for sure that if you're, if you're new or if you're in a startup draft or... Um, even if you're in your rookie drafts, just keep him there. Why not? If you're a late fourth and he's sitting there, 
it's a shot that's well worth taking because it's that or it's a running back who needs three injuries to go their way to get on the field. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that's a pretty easy one for me. Yeah. And especially at the wide receiver position where in the end, if you have the opportunity to get on the field, talent usually wins out. I don't know if there's another wide receiver as talented as Velas Jones, other than Darnell Mooney on that team currently. And just for the passing game in general, I'll stop hyping up Bayless Jones because I can do that for another hour and we probably need to get out of here before another hour passes. But the, the Chicago Bears, <laughs> they are missing 50% of their inside the 10-yard line passes. I mean, there's there are lots of opportunities for somebody to break out. I don't know who. But somebody should start scoring more for this team, whether that be Justin Fields, David Montgomery, yes. Darnell Moody, or Cole Komet catching one touchdown. Somebody should start producing down there. I don't know who it is, and it makes me want to buy all of them, which is completely irrational <laughs> and not a recommended strategy. It's just the little gremlin inside my brain that's going, yeah, hit draft. Cole Komet's there. 10th round yeah that's way over value but that's the only place you can get him because he's going to be performing more than that i try not to listen to that little uh, gremlin too much but a little voice in the back of the head i agree i think yeah i mean any of these teams that look desolate and you know we'll get to my falcons one day uh it's all opportunity (laughs) it's all just you know why not take the shots at these sort of guys because right now in the offseason the acquisition price is so low on half of them but if you've got the roster depth for it and you're rebuilding Mm -hmm. just keep throwing darts because you never know all right. Well, we are at an hour 17. Tom Lee, do you have an Aussie word of the day? Can you give I me do. one for my first time on the show? Thank goodness. I'm excited. So we ditched the Canadian, uh, which is good uh, for, <laughs> for a week. We'll have him back. Um, but we have an American on. That's fine. In Australia, there's plenty of nicknames, some that can go to wear and some can't um, for Americans, right? So classically, <laughs> Americans are called Yanks overseas, right? Yep. But Australians took from the English a lot of rhyming slang. So Yank became tank or septic tank. So Americans oh, are called no. sepos. Yeah. Oh, sepos. It's a pretty old word. It's more country Australian. You're not going to hear it a lot from the youth of the world. But yes, sepos <laughs> from septic tank from Yank to be American. So your word of the day is sepo. Welcome to oh. being a sepo in the world of Australia. <laughs> you know what? If you hadn't told me that it was related to septic tanks, septic I would have tank? thought that sounds rough. really freaking cool. Yeah, That's like Seppo. Oh, yeah, yeah, that sounds freaking awesome. I'm like, all right, I don't know what you're saying, but I can live with that. Yeah, oh, and feel man. free to because I think the rest of Australia, the way it's headed, yep. probably don't know where it comes from. So you're probably safe. <laughs> you can just you can operate as a Seppo, an undercover Seppo, and it sounds fine, and no one knows that it's a bit of a weird insult against America. Oh. Oh, oh my god <laughs> Seppo. Oh, i like that i like that well i've had so much fun filling in for thomas he will be back uh next week so but thank you for bearing with me tom lee as we got through it's this fun, man yeah, yeah it's been a lot of fun oh, what you got going on um not a lot of work at the moment i mean the, the real focus for us is building this discord channel you mentioned it mm-hmm. earlier and if we can get the banner running up again we'll get the banner running up again yep. but go and check our discord channel out um there's so many of us on the team now that are operating that you know you can go pretty much 24 7 around the clock if you're up late night and you want to tilt it'll probably be me because australia is a nuts time zone 
but I'll be there chatting away in the Discord channel, whatever you want, whether it's, I think we've got music, we've got movies, we've oh, got yeah. fantasy advice, we've got all sorts of stuff. If you're tilting about any part of life, feel free to jump in to the Discord channel and join us for a fun time. It's really appreciated. And like you said before, help us help you to win a Debo Smith, uh, Debo Samuel signed jersey. Um, the only okay. downside for us is that as members of the Full Tilt, uh, we cannot win the jersey. Yeah, it would look like so good with that helmet. Which side of the helmet? Right? That helmet. It's it thematically looks so on point. Good. Anyway. <sighs> yeah, so one of you lucky assholes yep. will be winning that jersey. Um, so try not to rub it in too much to the rest of us. All right. So yeah, thank you all so much. You need to definitely be hitting us all up at Tom Lee 92 on Twitter. You can find me at the cute hurts and you need to go find at Thomas tipple FF on Twitter and say, you know, that guy wearing the orange, we want him on a lot more cause he was fun. Or you can say he was absolutely God awful. Don't let him come back on. And that's perfectly fine. I will just be sending <laughs> hate messages through the comment section about, man, I can make such a block this man. guy. <laughs> but thank you all so much uh we will get out of here you all have a great rest of your saturday or sunday if you're tom lee over there in the future uh and we will see you all later uh as tom says clear eyes full hearts never lose be good to people on the internet we'll see you later <laughs>